0: Very nice. Hey, who had a great last full day at camp? Oh, that sounded, the hesitation tells me it's a little bittersweet. Is anyone sad about tonight being our last night together? Yeah, I'm a little sad myself. Anyone excited to go home tomorrow? Yeah, anyone missed their own bed? Lame, boring, camp is the best. Okay. Can I be honest with you guys? I almost didn't make it here to chapel tonight, okay? I almost missed one of the M's, the be-at-all meetings. I was in an intense pickleball match. You guys ever played pickleball? Yeah, no? Okay. I'm not proud to say it, but I was locked in in an intense pickleball match with my boy Mikey, and uh, we didn't win. We didn't lose. It was was kind of a draw. I had to leave before the end of the game, so there's no telling how that one was going to end. But man, what a great week we have had together, right? You guys had fun this week? Yeah. Man, uh, it has been a joy to be here with you guys. I've been so grateful, and you guys have been an awesome group. Why don't you guys give yourselves a round of applause? Yeah. All right. Now, I have a confession to make. I have a little bit of an unpopular opinion. Can I share it with you guys? All right. Uh, so, I think, I think our first night together, I shared with you, camp is like my favorite week of the summer. It doesn't matter if it's in the summer or the winter or in the middle of September or whenever we are right now camp is always my favorite week but here's here's my unpopular opinion my favorite day of camp is when we get to go home it's kind of odd I know some of you guys are with me so maybe it's not that unpopular but but let me tell you why man as fun as camp is and I love being up here at Hume Lake there's so many great things that get to happen I mean, we have this built-in time when we get to hear God's Word taught. We get to worship together every day. We have time built into our schedules for us just to relax and spend time in God's Word. But the truth is that when we're up here on the mountain, we live in a little bit of a bubble. And everything is kind of handed to us, and, and it's really easy for us to follow Jesus here on the mountain. But when we leave and we actually go home... That is when the rubber meets the road, I guess you could say. And when we actually get to put into practice everything that we've learned these last five days together. And this is why the last day of camp is my favorite. Because we get to take the kind of accumulation of all that God has taught us. And we get to say, you know what, God? Man, it has been a great week. God, I've been so grateful for all that you've done. But you know what? Man, now I am ready to walk out into this world. And I'm ready to live an obedient life for you and so tonight what we're going to do together in our last time uh, as a group we're going to prep ourselves for that moment as we head back home and we're going to talk one more time about how we can live resiliently for christ in a world that so often is facing against us and against christianity and against god and so one more time are you guys ready to dive in tonight Yeah. yeah all right that was kind of lame let's go one more time are you guys ready to dive in one last time there we go There we go. Well, with that, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. That is where we're going to be tonight. And as you flip there, let me just pray over this time that we have together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this week. God, what an honor and a joy it's been to be up here at Hume, a place that, God, you have chosen to use for years and years and years uh, to draw young people uh, unto yourself. And so, God, we're thankful for the privilege that you gave us to be here this week. We're thankful for your word uh, and the gift that it is to us. God, the fact that we can find life and truth and joy in your word. So, Father, as we go to you you and to your word one more time together tonight, God, we ask that you would bless this time, that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds, just like we've prayed every night, to be receptive to your word. Would the truth of your word grow deep roots in our heart, and then when we leave here tomorrow, would we be changed different than when we got here? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 9 is where we're going to be tonight. But real quick... I thought it would be fun to say thank you to some really awesome people this week. There are a few people who have made this week possible, and so the first group that I want to say thank you to is to our band. Can we just give it up for Kindle and the band for leading us so well this week? And they have rocked it. They have rocked it. And the next group is our Hume staff in the leads. Can we say thank you to all of them for all that they've done? And they have put in long hours with you guys. But the next group that I wanna say thank you to are the ones who made it possible for you guys to be here this week. Can you guys just say thank you to your teachers and your leaders and your school staff? Yeah, yeah, come on. Those of them who took a week out of their lives to come up here and spend some time with you guys. Hey, did you guys see their kickball skills tonight? Yeah, I think, I think they fell short, but they played valiantly. All right, man, they gave it their best effort. I was praying the whole time, no torn ACLs, No injuries, man, and God was faithful to answer that prayer. So that is awesome. Alrighty, so we've covered a lot of stuff together this week. We've made our way through a ton of the book of Daniel, and so tonight, first things first, what I want to do is I just want to spend a couple minutes recapping where we've been because there's been a lot of truth that we've heard. There's been a lot of lessons, and I want to make sure that we remember all of that going into our topic tonight. So Monday night we started laying a foundation that we have built upon in the rest of our gatherings together. Right? We started with Daniel and his friends being taken captive by Babylon. We see Babylon overthrowing Judah and. So so now we find the the people of God in exile in Babylon in a place that was completely opposite to their home. We talked a lot about the differences in these two kingdoms, and there were two truths that I shared with you guys that night. The first is God is sovereign, sovereign. and the second is this world is not Our our home. Beautiful. Okay, so that was night one, Tuesday morning. We looked at a lot of these new things that were forced on to Daniel and his friends, these these new ways of living, uh, some of which would have made them disobedient to God. And so we see kind of this tension play out when they're going to be forced to eat a diet that would have been uh, completely disobedient to God's commands for their life. And what we see is that Daniel and his friends respectfully decline. And even in the face of a life and death situation, we see them go to God in prayer and in faith, and we see God show up faithfully. And the lesson that we learned on Tuesday morning was that if we want to live obedient for God, and if we want to live resilient for God in this world, we have to be rooted in the truth of God's word. You guys remember that? We have to be rooted in the truth of God's word. The foundation of our lives has to be built on the rock, because everything about us flows from where our foundation is laid. Tuesday night, we moved into the portion of the story where we see Daniel interpreting some dreams, right? Given an impossible task to interpret a dream that he was not told about, that he knew nothing about. And what we see is that Daniel, again, in the face of death, goes to God in prayer, And God is what? Faithful again, right? He gives Daniel the interpretation. Daniel goes to the king, gives him uh, the interpretation of the dream. We see Nebuchadnezzar praising God for Daniel's uh, interpretation and what he was able to do, but it doesn't last long because right after that we go on and we see Nebuchadnezzar build a 90-foot statue, right, that he forces them to bow down to. What we see is that the boys don't bow, right? They stand firm. They're thrown into a fiery furnace, but God does not abandon them. We see that there's another one there in the fire with them, protecting them in the midst of this hardship. And the lesson that we learned on Tuesday night was that we can trust God no matter the outcome. Do you guys remember the boys' responses? They said, you know what, King? We know that our God can save us. You remember that thing they said? But even if he doesn't. Those boys lived with an even-if-not kind of faith, man. They knew that God loved them and that God was faithful regardless of if he answered their prayer or spared their life. And so we challenged you guys, live with that kind of faith, that even-if-not faith where you are confident that God can, but you're not going to abandon him if he doesn't. And then Wednesday night, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Wednesday morning, is this where we're at? Yeah, yeah, Wednesday morning, we conquered, We kind of talked about this really heavy topic called sin, right? And we looked at the story of Nebuchadnezzar and because of his unwillingness to repent to God and his unwillingness to surrender his life, uh, we see that there were some consequences that he had to bear the weight of for his sinfulness. His kingdom is stripped from him. He's driven into the wilderness to live amongst the animals for seven years. And the lesson for us was this. And we have to be honest with ourselves about the reality of our sinfulness and our brokenness and our unwillingness to submit our lives to God. Because, friends, we cannot get right with God unless we understand the reality of our sin. The beautiful thing is that our sin is not the end of the story. And so last night, man, we jumped into the heart of God and we got to talk about the story of the gospel We got to see Nebuchadnezzar restored to his kingdom in an act of grace from God. And then we talked about the fact that God wants to do the very same for you. If we would simply submit our hearts to him, repent of our sins, be honest about our brokenness, and turn it all over to God. God is faithful and just to restore us and to heal us and to give us the promise of eternal life. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And some of you guys made a really, really cool decision to follow Christ last night. That was my favorite moment from the week, was watching some of you guys boldly stand up in front of your peers and say, you know what, I've decided to follow Jesus. Man, I've heard his call on my life I know about my sinfulness. I've heard all of this truth, and I'm ready to turn it all over, to submit to him. And now all of that brings us into tonight, as we wrap up our journey here in the book of Daniel. Now, in our passage today, we're going to find Daniel in a place that we've found him many, many times before in our story. And it's not in the face of hardship this time, but tonight where we're going to find Daniel is on his knees in prayer to God. So what I want to do is I want to read together from Daniel chapter 9. You guys should be there in your Bibles. We're going to start in verse 3. And this is Daniel's prayer. He says, So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting and sath clock and ashes. Verse 4 says this, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with all of those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned we've done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. He says, Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but on this day, public shame belongs to us, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel those who are near and those who are far in the countries where you have dispersed them because of the disloyalty that they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, our fathers, because we've sinned against you. And catch this though, he says in verse nine, compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, even though we've rebelled against him. What I love about Daniel's prayer is this, and we saw this in the video we just watched. Even though God never answered his ultimate prayer, Remember, the desire of Daniel's heart was to be returned back to his homeland where he could go and live in peace and follow God free from affliction. But despite the fact that God did not give him that thing that he answered, and he finds him yet again praying to God, we see him holding so firmly to the truth about who God is and who we are. And the one thing that I love about Daniel, Daniel's prayer tonight that we read, is that he beautifully articulates the story of the gospel for us to see clearly. Now, I've said this a few times this week, but not only in Daniel's story do we find a great example of how we're supposed to live, but also what we're going to be is equipped with some tools that that we need in our tool belt in order to live like Daniel in this world. And so with the rest of our time together tonight, we're going to do just that. I want to spend some time equipping us uh, to follow Christ in a world that is so often hostile towards him. And let us not forget tonight as we talk that we are in fact living in a modern day Babylon. In a world that is counter to God, we are foreigners in this land. And so in light of all of that, man, let's get really practical on how we can live obedient to God in this world. I'm gonna share with you guys four things that I think are gonna set us up for success as we seek to live like Daniel. And the first is this. We must embrace the truth of the gospel daily. We must embrace the truth of the gospel daily. Again, like I said just a moment ago, one of the most beautiful things about Daniel's prayer is that he articulates the truth of the gospel. Look at what he says. He says that God is awesome and righteous. He's full of steadfast love. And in the midst of God's goodness, what we see happen is that we reject him and his kingdom and his ways. Daniel notes that we were on a road to death apart from God, but at the end he says compassion belongs to the Lord and God has made a a way for us to come back to him. And this is the story of the gospel, right? That God sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus bore the weight of our sin so that we could be made right with God in relationship. Some of you guys for the very first time last night came to understand that truth and you stood up and made the decision to surrender your life to Christ. And I want to be clear about something. When we talk about embracing the truth of the gospel on a daily basis, I'm not suggesting that you have to be saved time and time and time again. If you have declared Jesus as the Lord of your life, if you believed in your heart that he's the son of God and confessed with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, my friends, you are saved. Your eternity has been secured in heaven with God forever. But there is something that we have to do on a daily basis and it's to remind ourselves of God's heart for us. One of the most important things that we can remember as Christians is that it's God's love for us that motivates us to live obediently to him. If we're not thinking about God's love, if we're not conscious of God's deep love and the sacrifice that he's made for us, and at best all that we're doing is modifying our behavior to appear holy and to look like we've got things together. But the true motivation of an obedient life to Christ is a solid understanding of just how deep his heart runs for us, of just how great his love is for you and me, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. And so as we remind ourselves of the gospel every single day, we remind ourselves of why it even matters to live resilient in a world that is often counter to our God. And when we remind ourselves the truth of the gospel, ultimately what we're reminding ourselves of is this point, and that God is worthy of our whole lives surrendered to him. When we look at what Jesus did on the cross, when we talk about the truth of the sacrifice that he has made for us, there is truly only one right response. And it is our entire lives submitted to him, surrendered to him in an act of worship. And so if we want to live resilient in this world, one of the best things that we can do is remind ourselves of God's great love for us. Because again, it's his love that motivates our obedience. And so we embrace the truth of the gospel daily. The second thing that I want you guys to know is this. We have to stay rooted in the word of God. We have hammered and hammered and hammered this idea time and time and time again this week, but I want you guys to understand just how important this point is. In the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verses nine through 11, it says this. The psalmist pens, how can a young man keep his way pure? He says, by keeping your word. Look at what he says. He says, I've sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What we see here in the Psalms is that the writer is saying that the only way that we can truly live obedient, steadfast lives for God is if we are constantly rooting ourselves in the truth of his word. He says, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young person live an obedient life to Christ? By keeping God's word. I want you guys to know this, that if your goal in life is to live resolved to follow Christ, it would be impossible for you to do that without spending regular time in God's word. It is not possible. It would be about as possible for you to follow God obediently without reading his word as it would be if we turned all of the lights off in this building and I told you to stand up on your feet and try to walk around and not run into any chairs or any other people. It'd be impossible. You think easy? Let's try it. Can we shut the lights off? I'm just kidding. Don't do it. I was going to call your bluff, though. Man, you would have failed in like .2 seconds, okay? okay? Not possible. Not possible. And this is what I want you guys to understand. God's word. Shh, 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 focus up here. What we read in God's word is this that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And so when we find ourselves walking in the midst of a dark, dark world, it's God's word that lights our every step. You guys want to know what God desires for you in your life? Read his word. You guys want to know what God wants you to do when you grow up? Read his word. You guys want you to know how he wants you to live in any situation? Read his word. Friends, this is God's, uh, not only is this his storybook of his love for us, but this is where we see his heart. This is where we find his commands. This is where we see his intention for our lives. This book is where true life is found. And it is impossible for us to live obedient to God if we are not rooted in his word. This is why it's so important Man, that you guys, in in your time, either tonight after chapel or tomorrow morning, that you guys put some plans in place. Spend some time thinking about, man, when you get down the hill, what is gonna look different for you? Because the worst thing that you could do is sit here in chapel and be like, you know what, man, I'm gonna live my life obedient for Christ. I'm gonna live like Daniel. I'm gonna live resolved. I'm gonna obey Christ in all things. And then get down the hill and realize that you put no plans in place. You gave no thought to what you're actually going to do differently this time than the last time when you were at camp. But friends, if you take some time, put some plans together, ask somebody to hold you accountable to reading God's word, figure out what it's going to practically look like for you to spend time with God every single day. Because if you don't, I promise you won't. This is just, I, I remember being in seventh and eighth grade. Can I be honest with you guys? At 26, as a pastor, man, if I feel God stirring something on my heart and I just think, you know what, I'm just gonna go figure it out, I never, ever do. Man, but if I take time and I'm intentional to figure out, man, what is this gonna look like? What is this gonna cost me? Man, am I gonna have to wake up earlier? Am I gonna have to go to bed earlier in order to make this work? It's that kind of intentionality that's required for us and to live in this way, rooted in the word of God. And this also ties us right back into that first thing that we talked about, embracing the truth of the gospel every day. Do you guys know where we find the truth of the gospel? In God's word. And so you need to be constantly reminded of it and spend time with Jesus. Read his word. This is where life is found. The third thing that I want to tell you guys tonight is this, that if you want to live resilient for Christ in this world, you have to get connected and stay connected to godly community. If you want to live obedient to Christ in this world, you have to get connected and stay connected to godly community. And I think that this is one of the steps that so many Christians overlook. We overlook this and we underemphasize this far too often, but solid Christian community, my friends, is vital to living an obedient life for Christ. There's a little phrase that my church picked up a few years back, and it's this phrase, you can't do life alone. If we modify it, I mean, you can't follow Jesus alone. If we look back at the story of Daniel, and he didn't follow Jesus alone, did he? And he had three friends. And what we see in the story is that his three friends, and I can just imagine that they encouraged each other, and they loved on each other, and they prayed for one another, and they held each other up when things were bad, and they celebrated each other when things were good. We have to have people that we are following Jesus side by side with. My friends, it is so important. Find your people, be a part of your church, get involved in your youth group. I mean, get a group of guys or girls, people that can hold you accountable in this walk. This is a huge part of my story. This is a huge part of my story. And part of the only reason that I'm still following Jesus is because God blessed me with a group of guys when I was in the third grade. I got into a Bible study with some guys that I'm still in a life group with to this day. I don't know how many years that is now, but it's a lot of years. From the time I was in third grade, I started developing a godly Christian community of guys who could encourage me, who could hold me accountable, who could point my eyes back to Jesus when I was being dumb and disobedient. These are my friends who stood by me on my wedding day as my groomsmen. These are the guys who pray for me every Thursday morning at six a.m. when we meet for coffee. These are the guys who are keeping my eyes focused on Jesus. And without a solid group, a solid Christian community around me, I honestly don't know where I would be today. But because God blessed me with a group of people, a group of guys who could spur me on in righteousness, who could spur me on in obedience to Christ, Man, God has done a wonderful work in my life of redeeming me and using me and blessing me in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And God wants to do the same for you guys. Man, it may be kind of hard to start, I'll just be honest. Man, finding a good group of Christians to do life with can be difficult to start. But if it's hard for you, if you run into some walls, if you find some hurdles early on, please don't give up. Please don't give up. I can promise you guys this, that if in 6th and 7th and 8th grade, you guys can find a group of people to pray for you, to encourage you, meant to remind you to read God's word, meant to call you out when you're living disobediently to Christ, if you can find that in 6th and 7th and 8th grade, I can promise you that your life will be far different than you ever imagined when it comes to being obedient to Christ. And you cannot follow Jesus alone. This was not God's intention for us. And so if you want to live resolved for Christ, then find a group of people to encourage you. And so first, we embrace the truth of the gospel every day. Second, we root ourselves in the firm foundation of God's word. Third, then we find a community of Christians to do life with. And the fourth thing that I want to tell you guys tonight, and this is the thing that I'm going to leave you guys with. Be willing to surrender every part of your life to the Lord. This is one of those things, my friends. Surrendering to God is not a one-time occasion. Surrendering to the Lord is something that happens on a daily basis. And if you're as broken as I am, it happens multiple times every single day. I find myself constantly surrendering more and more and more of my lives. And there's a verse, there's a passage that I want to read to you guys that I think illustrates this beautifully. It's in Romans chapter 12. You don't need to turn there in your Bibles. I'm going to read to you guys from the message paraphrase translation. And I just want you guys to listen to what this verse says. Paul writes this. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. So don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Did you guys hear that? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture, culture around you that is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity within you. I'll tell you guys this. Every camp I've ever spoken at, I have finished with this passage. Because I think that this is one of the greatest encouragements. And just a beautiful way to put it, because it is so simple. I love the way that it writes in the message paraphrase. So let's just kind of break it down here for a moment. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. So right off the bat, we know that it it says God is present to help us to be obedient to him. Remember, God wants us to be obedient. And so he's not asking you to do it on your own. He's giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit within you, right, that convicts and it leads us and it guides us and it speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is helping us in this. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life and get this. He says you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're going to school, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. You know, sometimes I think that we as Christians like to overcomplicate things. We like to overcomplicate and over-spiritualize what it actually means to follow Jesus and I think that this puts it so simply. He wants your everyday ordinary life. The most boring repetitive, bland parts of your life. God wants it all. From the moment that you wake up to the moment you walk onto your school campus to the moment you go to practice to the moment you lay your head on your pillow at night, God wants it all. Friends, our lives are to be lived in response to God as an act of worship. And he says, man, just give it all to me. Every single part. Let's keep walking through this. It says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Again, this just takes us back to the truth that we have been seeing, that the life we have in Jesus is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And the best way that you and I can say thank you to God for what he has done for us is just to receive the gift that he's offered. And he has offered us eternal life, salvation in the work of Jesus Christ, And if you want to say thank you to God for that, he says, man, just give me your life. Man, just surrender it all. Just say yes to the gift that I've given in Jesus. Now check out this encouragement that we get here next. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. I'll tell you guys what, if you needed some practical advice on how to live resolved in a world that is hostile towards Christianity, he says this, just use your brain. Just think. Don't become so well-adjusted that you just fit in without even thinking about it. Think. And is this what God wants for me? Is this what God is calling me to? So here it is again. He says this, instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Man, we talked about this. Man, the work of changing our lives is not something that you and I will ourselves into by gritting our teeth and white-knuckling it. There is no effort that you can give to live in obedient to Christ that will ever match up. All we do is surrender our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And we say, God, come and work in my life. And he transforms us from the inside out. Remember, we've talked about this. He changes our heart. And as he transforms our heart, our desires change. And as our desires change, our actions change. But it's an inside out kind of transformation that God does in us. And then he says this, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that's around you that always drags you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and he develops well-formed maturity within you. Friends, this verse puts it so well. The world that we live in is constantly trying to drag us down into its ways, constantly trying to drag us into sinful living, constantly trying to drag us into disobedience from God. Remember this, The goal of your life is not just to fit in. The goal of your life is not to be loved and accepted by everybody at your schools. The goal of your life is to live obedient and worshipful to the God who gave you breath. This is the goal of our lives. And just like Daniel and his friends, God has invited each and every one of you to be a part of his story in reconciling the world back to himself. And friends, this is why it's so important that we stand firm in the face of opposition. I share this with our youth group at our church all the time. If we claim to know a God that we say can transform lives, but we go on living lives that are not transformed and don't look any different than the world around us, do you guys think that anybody is gonna believe what we say about God? No. If we say that God can transform lives, and we want other people to experience the transform, transformation that we say we found in Him, and we darn well better live lives that look different than the rest of this world around us. This is what God wants to do for you. And so, as I wrap up one last time, man, again, it has been an incredible week together. I've been so grateful for the way that we've gotten to see God move, man, for the truth that we've learned. And I'm confident that when you guys go back to your schools and to your towns and to the places that you guys call home, man, that there's gonna be a shift in those places because there is a young generation of students who have decided, you know what? In a world that is constantly opposing itself to God, I'm choosing to live like Daniel, resolved and obedient to God in the face of opposition. And I believe that you guys are gonna be the people who do that. And be ready for it. Be ready for it. Man, don't leave this camp without giving some thought to what that's practically going to look like in your life. We've given you guys four practical tools to live that way. Embrace the reality of the gospel on a daily basis. Root yourself in God's word. Commit yourself to godly community and be willing to surrender everything to God on a daily basis. Man, this is my encouragement to you. Stay rooted in God's word. And friends, if we do these things, this is how we will live with resilience as followers of Jesus in a culture that is increasingly hostile towards Christianity. Let me pray for you guys. Father, again, we're so, so grateful for this week. God, what a privilege it is to be here on this mountain, separated from the distractions of this world. Man, as much as this does feel like a little bit of a bubble, God, we're so grateful that you chose to pull us out of the darkness of this world for just this short time to share with us the truth of your word, to encourage us to live resilient, resolved lives for you. And so, Father, I'm praying for this group of students that they would do just that, and that they would decide in their hearts tonight that they are gonna live their lives in fearing God over fearing man, that they're gonna live their lives seeking to please the God of the universe, seeking to win, then seeking to win the approval of man. Father, we are so grateful for you. God, we're thankful for your love that draws us in, Father, we're thankful for your love that didn't leave us dead in our sin, but gave us an opportunity to find life, eternal life in you. Would we never, ever forget the story of the gospel and what that means and how we should live. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.